This is Steve McLeod, and you are listening to Bootstrapped, the podcast for people running bootstrapped software companies. In episode 215, I chat with Robert Brandle, founder of Tooltester.com. We talk about Robert's recent experience changing the domain name of his website. It was an expensive experience and one that for a while did not go to plan. Robert, this is the third time you've been on the show. The last time was in episode 150 back in October 2020. It's great to have you back again for the third time. Thank you, Steve, for having me. Happy to be here. Where are you at the moment? I'm in Badalona, right next to Barcelona, so we are not that far apart. And what about where you are, like, office-wise? Are you at home, at work? I'm at home, yeah. The recording I'm doing from home, but I also do have an office, which I really like. Oh, how old-fashioned. I heard about offices and people who used to have them. Yeah, I think, Steve, I listened to the uh, your, one of your recent episodes about um, remote culture, and I think we need to do an, uh, a new interview about that because I very much like offices. I'm <laughs> very uh, old yeah? school. What do you like about offices? It's just in terms of company culture, nothing beats like being in, a, in the same room together rather than, I don't know, doing virtual pizza hour or something like that, uh, weird, one of these weird things. I, I think it's just nice to see people, especially now after the pandemic. It's nice to see real people, not just on a screen. I did uh, visit your office uh, a couple of months ago, one afternoon for a photo shoot, actually. <laughs> That's another story in itself. And I got to have lunch with your team around the corner from your office. And I, afterwards, I came home and I told my girlfriend how nice it was to actually have lunch with, they're not my colleagues, but something that felt like colleagues and they were chatting about what's going on in their life and home and just about the weather and stuff and how much I missed that by not having a physical office with a team that we work in person with. There you go. However, there's a lot to be said for working remote as well. And that I really like. Yeah, of course. There are pros yeah. and cons. But yeah. Hey, Robert, when I asked you in advance, what topics you'd be interested to discuss, you told me coffee machines. You've seen our coffee machine <laughs> and I, I got pretty good at making latte art. Part of the reason is the topic we are discussing today because I had a, a bit bit of free time. Let's put it this way. So I, I, I was able to focus on the coffee machine more on my uh, secondary career as a barista. Well, that'd be good if your business doesn't work out. I'm sure our listeners would rather hear about things other than coffee machines. Although I would happily talk about them for a while. So uh, this is a good time to segue into what your business is. My business is called tooltester.com. It's a review website. Think of G2 or Captera without all the fake reviews and without all the noise and uh, targeted to small businesses like freelancers, small businesses, that type of thing. We currently have different websites. So one of them is tooltester.com. Then we have email tooltester.com where we review newsletter software. So we review a whole bunch of uh, different software tools, uh, not everything like G2 or Captera. We are very selective, so we are more of a boutique review websites. And yeah, we do stuff like website building tools, certain SEO software, live chat tools, um, 
CRMs and we're slowly expanding, but doing it uh, slowly so that we can make sure our, our reviews are really of the best quality and they're also able to rank on Google. Obviously, our team is uh, consists of eight people right now, and um, very soon I'm hoping to to raise it to ten people. So within the next three months, I would say. And yeah, just to give a reference, Tooltester.com gets in the region of two hundred thousand visitors per month currently, and uh, we are available in seven languages. So it it is a, a sizable project, and we've also been in business for already twelve years now. So. Yeah, that's about tool tester. I'd happily take some of those 200,000 monthly visitors <laughs> if you've got some to spare. That's phenomenal. <laughs> An example I can think of concretely that you do is you review website builders such as Squarespace and Wix and Weebly. Is Weebly exactly. still around? Yeah. And, yeah, and barely. <laughs> and you do impartial comparisons and then people decide which one they want and they click on a link to that site and it's an affiliate link and you get uh, a payment from the company you send them to. But you yes. make a real effort to be impartial. You don't recommend the one that pays the most. You actually recommend, you yeah. review them regardless yeah. of what they pay. Yeah. Uh, we, we see what other websites recommend and uh, my heart always breaks when I see <laughs> like really terrible providers being recommended where I know that they are sleazy and they, they just, they, they bribe you into ranking them high. And yeah, I take very great care of not doing such things. The first time you were on the show, I introduced you as the founder of Website Tool Tester. But today you're tooltester.com. Why? What What happened there? How do we get from Website Tool Tester to tooltester.com? You have to do a domain name change. <laughs> yeah, it's a bit bigger than that. It's a, a bit of a change in strategy. So it used to be website tool tester, email tool tester, all, all kinds of tool tester, chat tool tester. And uh, the plan is, or the, which we have already started, is to consolidate all these different websites and brands into one obvious candidate, which is tooltester.com. And uh, it has several advantages. If you're managing different websites, I think you do. Steve and different software applications even. It's a lot of work if there's a, a WordPress update, for example, or you add a new feature and you have to add this feature to four other websites. It's just a crazy amount of work. And that is one reason. And, and the other reason has to do with uh, branding and SEO, that it's, um, it's easier to rank a strong website, especially if the topics are very similar. It wouldn't work, obviously, if, if one website was about software reviews and the other one was about DIY tools or something like that. Obviously, that wouldn't work, but our topics are so similar that uh, it just makes a lot of sense to, to consolidate all that. Do you mean sense from an SEO point of view as well as from a, like making your life easy managing this? Yeah. It's basically only advantages there. Of, of course, website tool tester, you can talk mu much more specifically about website creation, which is also an mm. advantage. But I think what I'm seeing is that a really strong domain is better than these very specialized niche websites because you can much better compete despite not being the expert for website creation, maybe. That's so interesting that it brings up in my mind for years, for more than a decade, it's been this ongoing question people ask when they have two software products. Should I have separate websites for them or should I have one website for the company with separate pages or areas for each product? It's just this never ending question that comes up and it's 
fascinating for me that you also have the same issue and it's about that one strong site is actually much better than having two weak or medium sites. Yeah, it has a lot to do with SEO. When you see all these very strong, with very strong domain authority, big competitors, like they're, they're getting more and more like PC, Mac and Forbes is now doing uh, reviews and they're all moving into this uh, niche and competing with them with a weak domain is, is very difficult. I guess you just haven't have tooltester.com, the domain name sitting around on the shelf to use. No, it's I think something like nine years ago, it got offered to me and I didn't really have any use for it. So I, I inquired for the price and they said $9,000 or something like that. And I, I thought, you guys are crazy. Leave me alone. Give me a break. And then, yeah, nothing. A few years later, I suddenly got interested in this domain name. And I think it was at a different company. Somebody must have bought it from the original seller. And then suddenly, yeah, we inquired. It was one of these pages where you, I don't know, this domain name is for sale, blah, blah, blah. Enter your offer. And then I found out they wanted uh, something in the realm of 20000 Dollars, which I thought, you you guys are crazy. I can do without that. And but it became clear that I needed the domain name. Then I, another year later, what annoyed me was also that they wouldn't go down a penny from the twenty thousand they wanted. I would have, I think, if they only had gone down by five hundred dollars or something like that, I, I would have uh, bought it. But they wouldn't, so I waited another year, which. Then raised the price to 22000 And then that was the point where I, yeah, I had to swallow all my pride and transfer the money because they still wouldn't go down. And I, I did maybe stupid things in between that I hired a domain broker who charged me like $500, I think, who didn't achieve anything. Like he, the price he achieved was the exact same that I already knew. So that was a waste of money. Then I bought a tool testers.com which i thought was a great idea then i it was only like a thousand five hundred dollars and i thought oh, that's a perfect domain name until i realized that actually it doesn't sound so great <laughs> i need the the singular domain and yeah the, I, in the end i paid what they asked for which was how much again around twenty two thousand dollars which hurt but i thought it's always great to get robert on the show he's a really clever businessman it's great at negotiation, but what I'm hearing here is, is the very opposite. By waiting, you increased the price from 9000 to 22000 that you had to pay. Yeah, yeah, terrible. Yeah. They probably have seen that the tool test uh, is growing and we also have a trademark probably. That I could imagine they also look into that and they see, oh, trademark, great. Yeah, they must be very eager to get that domain name. So, yeah. I wonder if that's the trend of domain names that are .com with like two dictionary words as they become less and less available because yeah, for the, sure. the, the internet's always growing and, and the whether thing that's is, just putting up the price of the remaining ones. The thing is, I, I don't even think uh, the price was too bad because I, I heard of some other domain name acquisitions and they were much higher for, for similar sounding domain names. Yeah, I think it wasn't the worst price ever. Yeah. The guy who runs, or one of the founders of teamwork.com, he says they paid half a million for that domain name. Uh -huh. They they start off their business with something like mm, getteamwork.net or something. I can't remember, but something that was 
mm. not what their company name was. And as they started getting some success, the CEO, uh, Peter, decided to blow all the money they had on the domain wow. name. And the, the board or the advisors were thinking, what have you done? But <laughs> now in the long run, it's worked out really well for them. It what? also depends if it's a project already, maybe a teamwork, uh, it had backlinks and there was something on it um, because Tooltester was just a blank slate. There was nothing, no backlinks, no nothing. So I really only paid for the domain name. If there is a project behind it with ideally some backlinks and a strong domain name, then of course the value increases uh, significantly. So have you already switched to talktester.com? Yes, uh, we did that. Uh, the plan was to do it last August, but of course, as always, things get delayed. August uh, would have been nice because the traffic is already a bit lower. And yeah, but we did it finally beginning of September when just when traffic starts to pick up again. Not ideal, but yeah, we it had to be done. And we are now live on the tooltester.com. Congratulations. So tell me about that process of switching over. Was it something that you're an SEO expert, it's what your whole business is built on. So you, I guess you have done your research into whether and how to do this well so that you don't lose traffic? Uh, yes and no. I, I, I had done a domain name change in the, in the very early days of the business because I started it in German and then I switched to an English domain to websitetooltester.com. And I didn't really realize any noticeable uh, decline in traffic. And I was sure the traffic would go down, but I, I was very optimistic about it. Uh, let's put it this way. I thought maybe it's going to go down by 10% for a month or something like that. But I, I wasn't entirely correct about this assumption. I should have done more research because it, it hit me pretty much like a brick wall. Really? When I, when I saw lost. what actually happened. You lost a lot more than 10% of traffic by doing yeah, the domain it was change. On, on day two of the, the setting up all the redirects, traffic went down by 30, 40%. And it, it stayed like that for at least minus 40%. It, it, I think it stayed like this for at least a month or six weeks. And that was painful because obviously revenues also declined, but maybe even more because it's a big difference. If you're ranking number one and then you suddenly rank number three or four, that makes a very big difference. Yeah. All in all, it took pretty much like three months to, to recover, to get back to 90%, I think. Now it's, yeah, it's almost half a year, I think. Um, we are pretty much recovered, I would say. Still, compared to last August, we have higher traffic, but that's to be expected. I think still the traffic should be a little bit higher. It could be a little bit higher. So, yeah, it's it's a dark, long tunnel. And I knew that it's going to go back. But when you don't see the light at the end of the tunnel and you're just walking through and not really sure where to go, then it is painful. And also the, the way... It works. It's just weird. A couple of weeks after the switch, traffic suddenly jumped up by 10%. I remember sitting on the couch on a Saturday and I was really happy. Oh, yeah, now it's going up again. And then just a few days later, it dropped by 10% again. And it's just so hard on the nerves watching all this. And I think it took two months until it really went up and it stayed uh, at a higher level. And then it gradually, it just went up and up. Yeah. Painful. How did you feel? How did you feel during that time? Did, were, were, did you have, were you wondering if you were going to have to like downsize your business? 
Not really, but yeah, I was a bit scared. So that's uh, when I started training as a barista. (laughs) It is painful. And I always knew that we're going to be fine, but it was sometimes it was a bit hard to keep that the spirits up. Yeah. But I, I think, yeah, it it had to be done. I I should should have probably better uh, done research because I, I did some research afterwards, how other companies were doing. And for example, I looked at TransferWise, who rebranded into Wise.com. That was a pretty major rebranding. And uh, you can see that pretty, pretty nicely in Ahrefs, the SEO tool. You can uh, plot a chart where you see the traffic of the, the old domain name going down and then the, uh, the new domain name slowly going up. And it also pretty much took three months for them to get uh, back to the old levels. And in their case, they really grew much stronger afterwards. I think part of the reason is probably because it was a thing that went through the press. So they got a lot of backlinks from that uh, name change, something we unfortunately didn't really get. So yeah, but yeah, I should have done better research, I think. But if you had known in advance that you could predict, expect a 30 to 40% drop, or some months, would you still have gone ahead with it? Uh, yes. Yeah. But it, you just would have had better expectations. Yeah. It had to be done. There was no way around it. And maybe it was on some level, it was good that I was so naive that, yeah, I, I really don't know. But it had to you be weren't, done. It, weren't tempted at any stage to undo the change? Oh, no. That would have created the complete chaos. <laughs> yeah. And... One one other thing I, I remembered, it was right after setting up all the, the redirects, changing the internal links uh, on the website and all that. And then what you're supposed to do is to set up that change in Google search where you register your domains and so on. And it was just giving me errors, some href lang, whatever error that I didn't really understand. And then I turned to the Google forums where I asked, what is this? And then... People said, oh, yeah, don't worry about it. But I was really scared because if Google doesn't approve of this change, then I'm in big trouble. And yeah, in the end, it turned out it was just one of these wrong alerts that Google Search Console sends you all the time. It's like my impression is that 90% of their alerts are just uh, can be ignored, can be discarded right away. But yeah, it was just a few days later that it all it said uh, domain change uh, is fine and uh, it's in the system and it's being processed and then the, the error was gone. It's Suddenly. interesting about the, the Google Search Console alert because I get them from time to time, usually telling me that one random page is not mobile friendly or elements are too close together and I look at it and it's fine. And, and then again, like you say, the, the alert just vanishes after a few days and without mm. me doing anything. And... I get worried about this. So it's good to hear that, that you've learned that you can ignore most of these. Search but then what's the point just, of the alert system? Yeah, it's just a permanent guilty conscience that it creates <laughs> because there's yeah. always these warnings, but usually they are just really nothing. And one other thing, talking about search engines, because there's not only Google, interestingly, Bing, which probably nobody looks at that much, but I realized that for Bing, it took way longer to process that domain change. And I, I also, I think I tried to set up that domain change in Bing console, search console or something like that. Bing Webmaster Tools, I think it's called. 
but I, I think I didn't find any way to do that. And it's Bing is really, it's two, one or 2% of our total traffic, which means less than 200 visitors per day, but still, it's weird. It's, we're still not at the old levels of traffic. So they are so much slower with, with crawling and processing these types of changes. It's weird. Do you get traffic from DuckDuckGo as well? Or yeah, just I had a look, but cool. less than from Bing. It's also interesting that I think DuckDuckGo uses the Bing search engine, I believe. That's something yeah, not everybody knows. I didn't know that. I think I get more traffic from DuckDuckGo than Bing, but that could reflect that my tools are technical and different. And yeah, that could be. Yeah. People who use my tools are more likely to be familiar with DuckDuckGo. Yeah. So what advice were you given before? Or what advice had you learned before doing this changeover that turned out to be bad advice? No real bad advice other than my own bad advice. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I just used my experience wrongly and uh, assumed that it wouldn't, wouldn't cause too much damage. It's also that I many times I changed the URL for an article, for example, when you First, you have your article in the blog and then you put it somewhere else and then the structure change, changes and you need to put a new uh, URL in for the article. And, and that usually it's maybe one or two days of less traffic and then it's just Google processes it and it's all fine. But of course, changing the entire domain name is very different. Did your team share your concerns or were you shielding them somewhat and telling them, oh, this is fine, this is fine? Oh, the fire's burning all around you. <laughs> like the, the meme yeah. of the dog sitting on the chair <laughs> drinking its coffee. Yeah, a little bit like that. Yeah, I had the impression they were a bit more concerned than I was. And I tried to, to shield them from that pretty much. Even in times where I was a bit worried, I, I, I tried to lay it cool. And yeah, fortunately, in the end, I was right with the assumption that it's going to go back up. Luckily. <laughs> yeah. I think that's an important role for us as founders, if you have a team, is to shield the team from a lot of the stress that comes with running the business. It's yeah. too easy to just pass it all on to them. Hey, uh, traffic's down, our sales are down, you need to work harder, you need to do something. But actually, I think you do, it's, the team operates much better if you don't hide it necessarily, but you prevent a, a, a strong face and you tell them, look. We're well prepared to deal with this. Like we have a plan and action. Just keep doing what you're doing and, and yeah, we're fine. Exactly. Even though inside you might <laughs> be burning up. The good thing is that during the pandemic, our business has increased by quite a lot. So we have reserves and funds. And so we really don't need to be stressed out about it. It would be different, of course, if we only have yeah. um, cash for three months in the bank, then I would get very nervous. Yeah. But in this case, yeah, I saw no reason to make them nervous. It would have been stupid. Yeah. Hey, I have a little story to tell you about Sabre Feedback. Robert, you're well familiar with it. For those who came in late, it's a product I acquired. It's not my main product. It's kind of, I run as a side project. The It was originally called Bug Muncher by, that was the name given to it by its founder. And I'm telling the story and I'm going to talk about the founder and what he felt and experienced. I may get this a bit wrong, but this is what I understand. So yeah, he called it Bug Muncher. And then after, as it was growing steadily, he was doing well. But for for a couple of reasons, he wanted to change the name. It didn't really reflect 
where he wanted to go with the tool and it was, there were some other issues with it that I won't go into, but so he changed it to Saber Feedback and he prepared in advance to do the, the name name switch and the branding switch and whatever, all this stuff. And he had been working on SEO in advance. That had been like something he had been actively putting effort in. And after the switch, the traffic stopped going up. In fact, I think it went down a little bit and it never went up again. And that's actually, as I best understand it, is what killed his enthusiasm for continuing with Sabre Feedback, why he ultimately decided to put it on the back burner and then sell it to me. So this, the point of this story is it actually can go really wrong. It's, yeah, there really absolutely. is the potential for a, a, a product name change and hence a domain name change to really suck away one's enthusiasm. Yeah, it's, it's easy to be enthusiastic about a product that's going up, up, but once it starts settling off or going down, that can be really hard to muster the enthusiasm for dealing with the problems. Yeah, I don't know what went wrong there in particular, but the worst thing you can do is produce uh, error pages, 404 errors, where the old domain, uh, the old, sorry, URLs vanishing and uh, you create new URLs without redirecting the old ones. And that is when things go very wrong and countless examples of even big companies that have uh, completely failed at migrating uh, domains. And uh, <clears throat> one, one other thing that is very important because we are also working on a rebranding. So we're going to have a new website template. And of course it would have been charming to, to do all at the same time to launch the new website, branding, new design, and then also switch over to tooltester.com. It would have been much, much more exciting, but it's, it's very important to slice up important changes because now we changed only the domain and when things, when something goes wrong, at least I know it must have to do with the domain name change and not with the, the design because the design is still the old one. So with this, I would be very careful to do the changes. That's also what Google officially recommends just to do very incremental changes and not do a big relaunch where you change everything at once. That's very dangerous. I'll say it sounds like it. And perhaps that's also what went wrong with Sabre feedback. It was the product name changing a rebranding. Oh yeah. Uh, redesign URL changing. And I don't know, it's really hard to tell who can look back at something that happened some years ago, once off and really analyze it. But I think it's, it's also important then once you have the new domain name to build links, to keep up the momentum that Google okay. sees, okay, the new domain name, other websites are linking to it. So it's, it's alive and kicking and yeah, just. Okay. That's that really interesting. That could up. be something that didn't happen. Even now I see that a, most of, or a lot of the backlinks we get for Sabre feedback are actually pointing to bugmuncher.com and now mm. we have redirects in place. Yeah, are that's you... also important to check in Ahrefs. You can check your broken backlinks, websites linking to your website that go to error pages. These you should definitely also redirect. Okay. I'm going to make a note of that right now. Always learn something <laughs> when I talk to you. Good. So in the months immediately after the name changeover or even the, the weeks did you you then kept on doing business as usual working on adding new content and revising existing content etc without any slowdown yeah pretty much okay. and we what we increased was the the speed of content updates because i i still see that currently when you update an article you shouldn't just update the the publishing date or something like that but you actually add maybe a, a new paragraph or two paragraphs 
And then you update it, give it a new date, not publishing date, but mo modified date. I think it's yep. called in WordPress. Exactly. Then I always see uh, an uptick in, in Google rankings. And Fascinating. Yeah. It's, I think, I'm not sure if it stays that way, but currently it's a really good way to, to push your content up. Ed and I were talking about this in a recent episode. Actually, I'm getting a bit confused. I can't remember if it's an episode we've published or one we've recorded and not published yet. But he was saying he doesn't go back and update existing content, but more works on doing new content. And I thought he had missed the trick there. And it sounds def definitely like it's something worth doing. Yeah. Yeah. So Over time, your content will is almost always, uh, it will decline in rankings. Of course, we are publishing reviews, which are time sensitive. It may be a bit different with other more timeless evergreen content. But still, I, I don't think it's a good idea just to, to let that content sit there because also your, your competitors, of course, they want to snatch the good rankings and they are yeah. going to continue work on their, working on their content. So I think it's one of the most important things you can do. Interesting. Yeah, I think I'm also failing a bit at that and need to do something about that. It's But always like more exciting publishing something new. <laughs> it's, it's, yeah. It gives you more fame. It uh, is more interesting. But look at it, you already have rankings for the existing content and it's, it's easier to push that up a little than to try to rank something completely new. You mentioned that you still kept trying to get backlinks for the, the new URL after you had done the domain name change, which raises a question that I struggle with. How the heck do I get backlinks? There are different avenues. You can... Do guest posts, for example. That's a relatively common way. Let's um, just stop with that one already. <laughs> because I get emails every day from strangers saying, can I guest post on your blog for both yeah. my products? And, and even people wanting to do guest blog posts on the podcast, which doesn't make any sense. But this is what they ask because they haven't done <laughs> their research. And I ignore them. So, and surely if I start writing those emails to people, I'm going to get ignored. How do you get to do guest blog posts? Yeah, for that, it's usually good to, to pick an agency to let them the, uh, do the annoying outreach. The good agencies, they have their contacts and they don't get rejected all the time. The thing is that Google officially recommends like links in, in guest posts. They should be no followed. So meaning that they don't have any SEO value. That's why when you can, it's probably good to not mention the word guest post in the, in the blog post if you can arrange that somehow with the website owner and it always works really well apart from guest posts is just to to use your personal network to like yeah. suppliers you work with or other contacts with a website just to ask them if they you could give them a testimonial for example i think there's a certain steve mcleod on on email tool tester right now stating something about email tool tester I think that works really well because if you say something nice about a company, they, they are very likely to, to put it on their website and in return, you could also expect a link to your website. Great. Now I chopped you off when you were talking about other ways of getting back links. You said guest blog post and I wanted to ask you about that already. Are there other strategies that you recommend? Um, yeah, I think the most powerful is really to tap into your network and companies you are dealing with. Because you can be pretty sure that they won't just delete your email. They, they will take yeah. it seriously. Yeah, That's, uh, that makes a lot of sense to me. And now you mentioned that it's something I have actually had success with, with Feature Upvote. We wrote to each of the 
other SaaS companies that we were customers of. Or, or first we did a research to see if they already had a guest blog post like system or if they had a system for taking testimonials. And we got onto Postmark. They did an article about us, Cloudinary, uh, a couple of others that I can't come to mind. And another thing that also worked well was setting up integrations with our products. For example, with Slack integrates with us or Zapier or blah, 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 others. And once you do that, often those companies have a system in place for putting a page about you on their own website. Slack is one in particular where we've got very strong backlink from them. That's to great. Us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like a WordPress plugin. <clears throat> I guess sometimes these links are no followed, but still they will have some value. Robert, we're running out of time, so let's wrap things up. This has been an enjoyable conversation. I, I actually felt a little bit of uh, pain myself as you talked about your traffic dropping by so much for so long. I'm glad it's picked up again. Thanks for being on the show and sharing so openly. Yeah, thanks for having me, Steve. Uh, until next time. Until next time. Maybe we'll talk again in, a, in six months or a year. And always great to have you on the show. Okay, bye, Robert. Bye-bye. Bye, everybody.